you want to go into stasis for the rest of the trip and forfeit 18 months' wages? Do you want to listen to Dwarf Cast by Ganymede and Titan? Choose. Awoga, this is a Dwarf Cast. Welcome to issue 5 of the Dwarfcast's magazine rack, brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. This is the series in which we reread, digest and dissect every single edition of the Red Dwarf's magazine, issue by issue. Bless you. I'm Ian Ace Symes, your resident semi-expert in all things magazine, and with me as always are first-time readers Daisy Stevenson <laughs> and Princess Capsina. Hello. Today we're covering Volume 1, Issue 5, and as always we recommend flicking through the mag as you listen, and if you don't have a physical copy you can find a link to the PDF in the show notes on your podcast app or at www.ganymede.tv. But before we get started, let's set the mood with a little trip back to this magazine's cover date of July 1992. Music! It was a fun time in the UK as various riots broke out in Manchester, Bristol and London throughout the month. Under new leader John Smith, Labour go to four points ahead of the Conservatives in the opinion polls, which would have been a lot more fucking useful if it happened three months earlier when there was a general election. <laughs> the Summer Olympics take place in Barcelona, with Linford Christie and Sally Goodall amongst the British gold medalists, and Chris Akabusi becoming the first ever record breakers presenter to win two bronzes. In telly news, the final edition of Wogan is broadcast, but just days later the BBC launched another iconic series that was all set to be just as enduring and influential, Eldorado. And, in an example of how utterly normal the United Kingdom truly is, we present this direct quote from Wikipedia. As Classic FM prepares to launch, test transmissions are carried out using a recording of Birdsong, originally made for a Raymond Briggs play about nuclear war in 1991. The recording proves popular with listeners, and from 2003 to 2005, and again from 2008 to 2009, the recording became part of a full-time station called Birdsong Radio. This country. When this magazine was released on the 25th of June 1992, the number one film in the UK box office was still Wayne's World. Excellent. And at the top of the pop charts were Erasure, with their ABBA-esque EP, a collection of ABBA covers. Bonus fact, later in the year, ABBA tribute band Bjorn Again reached number 25 in the charts with their Erasure-ish EP, a collection of Erasure covers done in the style of ABBA. So, with all that in mind, let's take a look at the cover of Smigazine number 5. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very excellent. cool. They were on top of the pops and everything. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Erasure-ish, I like that, that's good. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they were winning the second they called themselves Beyond again, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's up there with today's specials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I like that. And Juan Juan, which is an all female Duran Duran cover band. Isn't it? <laughs> That's good. Right, this magazine. Yes. This is my favourite cover so far, I think. It has the jewel thing for me of being. Colin Howard artwork, but also looking like a magazine cover. Yes. Having words and information on there. Yeah, it's nice, clean lines. Um, this is quite a um, an iconic Colin Howard piece, isn't it? I definitely recognise the Robert face. The, the Robert ca- face. The Robert face. I, I think it's, it's one of those prints that he often sells. Or Well, you may recognise... This has kind of been the genesis of the uh, program guide cover. Yes, that's what. I was oh thinking. shit! Yeah, 
it's not quite it's not identical because uh, the program guide doesn't have holly in it and some of the pictures are different but the Crichton and the rimmer are used in the program guide cover the exact same pictures no fucking way right of course yeah so that's where you recognize them from oh okay yeah, yeah, that Rimmer is a perfect Chris Berry face in yeah, TV the, form. Yeah, the cat is basically a one-to-one, like that. I know the promotional yeah. picture that that's from, and that's pretty much one-to-one, right? There's something going on with Robert's eyes, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, R- Robert's askew. face does look like it's melting, but to be fair to, to Colin, uh, that sometimes looks like that in real life anyway so it's still better than the series 10 mask <laughs> oh yeah. god yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's the uncanny valley thing i think that's what i sometimes bump into with 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 uh, colin howard's work is that because he's towards the lifelike end of uh, the style when it's slightly off it it becomes more of a um becomes more pronounced like it's easier to 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 have to deal with uncanny valley when you when you go in that realistic but when it hits which it most of the time does it like this picture and a white hole in the middle and 40 red dwarf t-shirts to be won oh yeah plus craig charles's hips so we know that they have at least 40 readers <laughs> it doesn't say how many are one just how many could to be, be well the, the, and the amount that they that they put is is like that's like them giving away almost what uh, like a formula of how many people are readers so like this will be a percentage of <laughs> yeah. the reader base <laughs> maybe five percent something i don't know one percent you'd hope it, a low number but this is still early like this magazine would still go on for another year and a half after this so we're all good uh on the inside we've got our customary little uh contents page the return of an amusing thanks to credit. Uh, yes. Is that amusing? <laughs> Albert the pet slime mould. <laughs> and a small but notable detail, an extra credited writer this time around. As well as Steve Lyons and Chris Howarth, Steve Noble is also credited as a feature writer. Right. Aha. First appearance of anyone other than yeah. uh, Howarth and Lyons as in the writing credits. I can't actually remember if it's credited, but I think I can spot where he's turned up, actually, because there is... There is a couple of bits that are very, that maybe feel a bit softer. Mm. Um, yeah, or a very different yeah, style. There, there's there's still no credits on individual articles as to who wrote what, so it's a guessing game. But yeah, I have a couple of theories which we'll get to as we go through. Indeed, indeed. We have an editorial. Yes. I got what I asked for, and <laughs> I don't want it anymore. <laughs> you got called a gimboid. You got called a gimboid, yeah. So yeah, to answer the question, their readership is is quite healthy, but unfortunately, there's too many gimboids, so <laughs> they want rid of them. Compared to the last issue, it's a it's a minor rebuke. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's weird. It's almost like ah, gimboids a funny word. Let's just build a paragraph around saying gimboid as much as possible, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> it's early red dwarf fandom. Like saying the swear words is was you know is an important part of that. Yeah. When you're at school, and especially when they're not yet been hammered home, yeah, and, yeah, you know, subject to repeated use over the years. Gimboid is a very series one and two, isn't it? Um, insult, so yeah, both of which are a little bit thin on the ground at the moment. Now you come to mention it, a good method for finding out when certain words were used in Red Dwarf is to use the search function on the Smega Drive. 
which is a ah. project brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. It's a collection of screenshots and quotes of every single episode of Red Dwarf ever. Fully searchable, editable memes. You can create GIFs. You can do what you like. And while you're there, you can play Smeggle, the uh, daily guessing game that shows you a bit of a picture from Red Dwarf and you have to identify the episode. That's... Get, uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, future Echoes, Balance of Power, Waiting for God... Ticket to Ride, Ticket to Ride, DNA, Justice, White Hole, and Give and Take and Siliconia. So <laughs> it's a very serious one and four and seven word. Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and 11. So it's sort of like, make one, skip two series, let's not use that. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's like That's a gene. A, it's a yeah. proper pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's ever a follow-up to The Promised Land that becomes the 14th <laughs> thing, then we might see it again. <laughs> anyway, speaking of future echoes, which you did briefly, and I thought you were just segueing yeah, to the same section. <laughs> and, and speaking of briefly, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, a little a little snippet of about half a scene of future echoes in comic book form. Isn't that fucking weird? So is this a sign that they're extending how many parts, you know, they're buying themselves some time here? Because this is not a natural cut-off. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. But um, no less good. No, it's, it's interesting because it's formatted as the second part of something. So there's some extra captions at the start to reset the scene. Mm. And an extra line from Lister to sort of give a recap to the viewers of, oh, I suppose I better smell good for when we hit light speed and I go into stasis. <laughs> yes. Just to, like, to catch anyone up who hadn't read the first part. Like, if you just picked up the second part, it's good. Yeah. It works. Yeah, it's weird. So, taking the place of the the, the weird wind-up blimp thing as a, a weird foreground and background distraction <laughs> is the cat in the hat. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't think uh, the estate of Dr. Zeus were <laughs> reimbursed for this. No, I, I wouldn't have thought so. I thought they were quite difficult. But, um, I, don't know. Um, I know he was a cunt, wasn't he? Dr. Zeus was a cunt. He is a cunt. He is a cunt. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Massively, apparently. But yeah, the cat in the hat is one of Lister's possessions. Baseball, bat, guitar, football. Very spotty football. The cat in the hat, a baseball bat and Lister's hat. It's very <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it is Lister's hat. I was wondering what that was. It might be another cat curled up. Or a black apron. Uh, series 4, Series 4 toaster. Series 4 everything. Mm. Yep. Which, again, is probably one of the more interesting things about these, is just, just seeing that reimagining. Um, it's, it's quite nice to have that, to have something like that that's... And there's also a, a frog. Oh, there's a frog. There's a frog. <laughs> On the fourth page of the comic, bottom left, a frog leaps out of the sink for some reason. The fuck? And says rivet. Says rivet? Maybe that's going to be like in a future part that will explain that frog. It's a future echo. Could be. <laughs> I can't remember one way or the other. Yeah. It's got a robot arm. It's so a robot frog. It's a robot frog. Like, oh. But we had we had Lennon and McCartney, didn't we? In the last yeah, we did. Yeah, edition. so they expanded on that. All right, cool idea. The expanded and that's why he's saying movie. rivet. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Also, you probably had to have seen the episode to understand what's going on with... Well, maybe not, but like... I'm finding the mirror thing a bit difficult to follow. Um, if I if I was to put myself in the mind of somebody who was reading this from the start, mm. um, yeah, they try. Yeah, but when Lister turns round, he says, "Hey, where's Rimmer gone?" Yeah, uh, because it's not clear. Oh yeah, it's good without, to add Rimmer. Yeah, to, uh, without it being in motion, it is hard to follow. Yeah, it all works out when you look back, like the shot of. The picture of Lister having cut his face matches what happens when he does cut his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. It's hard to know what you would make of it because <clears throat> yeah, I, I read it this way round. I already knew the episode by the time I read this. So mm. I like the uh, I like the more like the, the book explanation of what happened when they brought the light barrier and everything started to stretch and twist and and everything yeah. went a bit skewed and weird. I kind of like this visualization of it. It's really cool. It's a, spaghettification. Yeah, it's a very weird and sort of really strange, mm. like visual. I really like it. And it even affects the cat in the hat. Well, okay. So here's the thing. At first, I didn't spot the cat in the hat in the earlier pages, so I thought that was like a <laughs> weird thing that had just appeared to show that <laughs> yeah. reality was breaking down. I thought it was a little so Easter egg. An extra side effect of yeah, um, faster than light like, travel. <laughs> yeah, the cat in the, the hat random generation up. of. Merchandise from 20th century literature. <laughs> um, but then I yeah, turned the page and he's still there, so yeah. He was always there. Watching. Waiting. Interminably waiting. Oh, um, the lyrics to Luna City 7 are uh, from the book, not the TV series. Yeah. Even, is it, even the slightly. <laughs> not scanning extra bit that he sings is that from the book as well yeah. or is that something yeah. they've added yeah it's that when you when you hear it being sung by the guy who sings it originally it's coming through a radio i think it's at the disco maybe yeah oh yes because hearing chris trying to sing it is just not fun <laughs> is that is that perry and como <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the one <laughs> and then yeah it it cuts off uh, not even at the end of that scene. Yeah, it's it's making me think that they've maybe taken to heart the fact that so because they've got the original comics, um, in here now, wonder whether they've taken to heart the fact that, um, there's a, there's a comment later that suggests that maybe there's a, a few too many pages taken up with comics, so maybe they're trying to kind of find a balance there. Yeah. Um. Well, what they've done essentially spoilers for later in the magazine is they've swapped around the page count for what was last time Future Echoes mm-hmm. was uh, eight, ten pages, whatever it was and the backup strip was much smaller. They've swapped them around. Mm-hmm. Interesting choice. But yeah, I do wonder and it will be answered perhaps next time around whether that was always the plan with the Future Echo strip to make it smaller parts or whether they'd made that decision sort of on the fly yeah, yeah. and chopped what was delivered in half because there is, there's a little to be continued at the bottom but it's you're right it's like the, the way that this ends is seems arbitrarily dictated by page count rather than being a natural point to yeah. pause in the story well in in the TV show this is where the scene would just switch to something else mirror and it cuts away I think it's when the cats talk about going into stasis with all the clothes and stuff. 
Yeah, that's true. So that's true. probably going to be the next thing we see. Yeah. There's definitely like at least two parts left. <laughs> yeah, Maybe oh three. God, yeah. Maybe the this, three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wrap up the whole Future Echoes thing in the next one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows? I do. And the people who've read this magazine know. <laughs> you haven't even read this magazine. But that's for future podcasts to discuss. Next up, we have a nice cheery advert for Judge Dredd. I have a question. Is <laughs> Judge Dredd is Judge Dredd going to be the one to kill these three billion people? <laughs> or is he trying to stop someone who's going to kill three billion people? I'm not you a Judge Dredd. Have to buy the magazine and find out. No, <laughs> <laughs> the magazine. It's a mega epic. It's too big for one comic alone. It's, it's a mega epic. It really is. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. So, still not had any real adverts yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> oh, I definitely have questions then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> I have many questions then. <laughs> right then. Next up. It's a picture of Dwayne Dibley. It's a nice it is. Picture. It is. Very classic okay. picture. Handsome chap. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything else, but it's a nice, just big picture of Dwayne Dibley. Yep. And then on the opposite page, read any good books lately? Interesting. New feature. Yeah. This is a kind of a cool idea. Also, is this a candidate for the first piece written by the the third writer? I think so. Yes. It feels different uh, to Howarth and Lyons style. Yeah. But And also, there's a few uses of the word I, which implies that it's a single writer. I mean, as these are reviews, it would be handy to have the reviewer's name. Yeah. yeah. Like, more so than most pieces, like, it's good to, to put a name to who's reviewing stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's about ethics in um, in sci-fi, <laughs> fantasy book reviewing. Um, yeah, this guy loves brackets. <laughs> that's true. That's the main difference. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what what jumped out at me. But overall, this is a nice piece. I think. Like, I have no interest in reading either of these sub pratchet books, but <laughs> um, I think. It's um, it's a cool idea to kind of you know spread a bit of, like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you like Red Dwarf, around. you may yeah. also be interested in yeah, this. yeah, because Red Dwarf. Also yeah, Red Dwarf fans will have had a couple of relatively small novels at this point, and um, obviously three Hitchhiker books at this point, maybe four, because any Red Dwarf fan would be reading Hitchhikers. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so, so wanting to look a bit further afield. I found it interesting to read the sort of synopses of what these things are about without, yeah. like you say, having any real desire to actually go and read them. Yeah. But it's a nice little... It's a snapshot, I get, like, with most things in this magazine, it's a snapshot of what was on people's minds at the time around, you know, Red Dwarf fandom and, in general, what was happening in fantasy, sci-fi, yeah. fan yeah. circles. Uh, here's the thing. So the, this first book, The Technicolor Time Machine, was released in 1987. <laughs> that it was just 15 years <laughs> ago when this was written. <laughs> hang on. No, yes, you, 25. You said, hang on. You said 1987. 
you so, did. Sorry, ni- so ni- hang on, 1967. So, sorry, 25 years. So, this, this 1967 was just 25 years ago when this was <laughs> when this was written. Cut cut all that bollocks out about the same 15 years. <laughs> Start again. It doesn't matter. It's not interesting enough. <laughs> if it was 15 years, it would be. Yeah, 25 <laughs> years. But even so, because 25 years ago was the 90s. So like, it's just, yeah. yeah. So he puts said in context after Technicolor Time Machine. Is that just because of the American spelling of colour? Yeah, that's not actually the misspelling. It says spelling yeah. correctly, as if like a correction, but Technicolor is spelled like that because that's because it's a trademark. Sick means said in context, <clears throat> doesn't it? I think that you've both mentioned backronyms. I think it means, yeah, it it means both of those things um, spelled incorrectly, said in context. But it's just a Latin word. Um, It it means that, yeah, this is verbatim, basically. That's is verbatim. It it means uh, if you know the spelling mistake here isn't our fault. It's how it's used. Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> May, I've I've read the technical time machine. It's sick, thick. Oh, mate. <laughs> How many killings? <laughs> well, it's got Vikings in it, so and dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh yeah, and a Jimmy Savile reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in the... It was it was in you know it was in the zeitgeist <laughs> very much so at the time. That's the thing, and like it it seems like. <laughs> We will always notice mentions of people who have since been disgraced, and especially when they're as notorious as Jimmy Savile. But it just goes to show that he was such a pervasive figure at the time that he was just mentioned in discourse, like yeah. like he'd mention any celebrity. Yeah. Uh, there was there was nothing particular about him. He was just one of the people that was he always was. on telly and therefore mm-hmm. always getting talked about. Height of his powers, I would say, early now. Anyway, we are recording this on Jubilee weekend, so I don't know why that kind of uh, language is on. Yeah, it's not, it's not a time for paedophiles <laughs> celebrating the royal family. Oh, is that when the Queen gets her 70th crown upon her head? <laughs> <laughs> she's having a hard time balancing. She's got, she's got a hell of a back problem. I'm not surprised. <laughs> she's having a hell of a time. Every five years they do a massive uh, ranking of all the royals. And any new ones that have been added in, <laughs> you get to see where they are. But of course, bloody the royal ranking. Queen Elizabeth II always, <laughs> Princess Diana always bloody wins. The Jubilee Jury it was called this year. <laughs> <laughs> the Platinum Pole, I think, <laughs> which is also an item of jewellery that she owns. <laughs> I saw that in the Tower of London. Oh, also in this, there's an attempt to um, cement. A nickname for Red Dwarf fans. Yeah. And apparently at this stage it's between Dwarfers and Reddies. Yeah, I don't think Reddies was ever outside of this person's mind. <laughs> yeah, outside, outside of this particular page. Dwarfers and Dwarfies, for sure. Interesting how, obviously, well, Rob and Doug have, obviously, they must have seen this. Because when he uses that word in Legion, is that because of this conversation that they've had? To make it as a Dwarfer. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember the debates in Better Than Life magazine, and sort of when I first started, well, first during the fan club was about ninety four, and the the current debate there was between dwarfers and smeggies. Smeggies, oh Jesus! And apparently, Rob and Doug in interviews had offered smeggies as their preferred choice for the fans, and then when dwarfer was used in Legion, that. So the people that wanted to call themselves dwarfers instead of smeggies thought, well, that's that's now the yeah. accepted one because yeah. it's in there. Yeah. But there was like, 
an argument that no, but we should be Smeggies because Dwarfers refers to you know the characters yeah, that yeah. are on Red Dwarf, not the fans that are watching Red Dwarf. But yeah, Reddies never came into it. No, <laughs> it was either Reddies. Dwarfers or Smeggies. Dirty Reddies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it just it sounds too much like like a name that um, an American football team is now being forced to uh, remove. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one. And uh, yeah, and anyway, I just like this obsession with putting Smeg everywhere. I mean, but but please do do visit the Smeg Drive and Smeggle. Um. <laughs> you always end up becoming people you despise. Uh huh. Yeah. Memes make fools of us all. <laughs> Memes can come true. <laughs> These are. I mean, I guess these are just early nineties prices, but like three pound fifty, three ninety nine. I guess that's like twenty year old books, yeah, paperback prices. It's probably not that far off. As I was reading it, I thought that's really reasonable. And if it was, you know, that equivalent, you know, it, well, if it was three pound fifty or four quid in today's money, then I might be tempted to just go and pick them up. But inflation, etc. Well, they probably, probably are on yeah. Kindle. Yeah, that's true. But then ninety nine percent of your money's going to Amazon and not any estate or any author that might yeah. still be alive. Anyway, very good idea, a good way of branching out, I think. Yeah, and more living breathing magazine yes. is my thing is like slowly but surely over the course of this first volume it it turns from something that's fairly static in its references to something that feels current. Yeah. And you know, reviewing or talking about contemporary books and you know things that are available and are out there. Uh is a big step. And so we turn over Leaf and we see yet another advert. This, this is stacked full of adverts for uh, Fleetway's <laughs> own products. A Batman. Some Batman. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next feature is Are You Worthy of a Red Dwarf T-shirt? Yeah. And it's the aforementioned competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40 Red Dwarf T-shirts to be won. Rather than just a simple case of answering questions or proving your Red Dwarf knowledge or just even a random draw, there's a little task for people to do. They have to write 50 words on whether the Inquisitor would deem people worthy of life or not from a list of (laughs) pre-selected celebrities. And it's it's an odd mix. (laughs) To say the least. Yes. (laughs) Two of them are Red Dwarf characters. Two of them are fictional. Three of them are fictional. Four of them are fictional. Only one person is real. Only one person. And that's Norman Wisdom. He's got peas coming out of of his face. A 70, 80 year old man at this point who hadn't troubled popular culture for a while. Yeah, let's pick on him. This is before he he turned up in Tony Hawk's book. Yeah, that's (laughs) how you measure Norman Wisdom's life. I'm surprised Jimmy Savile wasn't one of these on the list. That's true, and yeah. Vera it would have Duck. been interesting. Yeah, Vera Duckworth. Just a perpetual meme throughout the 90s, wasn't she? Vera Gold Duckworth definitely yeah. shows the time, doesn't it? Judge Dredd. wonder where they got that idea from. Yeah, another little promotion for <laughs> Fleetways. And the elephant in the room is the fact that they've spelt Dwayne Dibley wrong. Yeah, I'm twitching. But yeah. mm. As an aside... Should we get people to do this competition? Yes, yes obviously. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And so, as is the custom for whenever we come across features such as this that ask for reader participation, we're going to extend that invite out to our lovely listeners slash readers. And so we want you to be the Inquisitor and using no more than 50 words, which will be the biggest challenge for some of the people on our site, (laughs) tell us whether the Inquisitor would deem this person worthy of life and then give a brief summary of the reasons why. So we want to see your comments uh, left in the uh, comments section of this podcast over at www.ganymede.tv. Tell us whether you think the Inquisitor would save or erase Wilma Flintstone, Norman Wisdom, Christine Kachansky, Judge Dredd, Vera Duckworth and Dwayne Dibley. And I guess we'll announce the winner when... Whenever they announce the winner in this. Yeah. Because they've delayed the results of the caption competition. Yeah. I should say as well, you only have to pick one. You don't have to do all of them. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Also, this gives us a chance to get a closer look at the T-shirts themselves because they were yes. the ones that were featured in the in the ad for the Mail Order T-shirts in the last issue, but this is a much bigger print. Yeah. And I've not really seen the uh, white one in that much detail before. Weird decision to have those little roundel things go over bits of the photo yeah not all of it design. but then it's under some of the other bits it's under the heads but not yeah, it's definitely stylistic choice it's not so there's one that's between lister and rimmer yeah. because lister's covering it but it's going over rimmer and yeah. yet rimmer's also in front of another one because it's behind his head it's also the the windows loading randall rimmer is see-through it's fine <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, just to clarify, the results of the second caption competition from issue three will appear next issue. So that's when that we will resolve our previous competition as well. Oh, finally. <laughs> this is the problem. We are sticking to deadlines and timing set by a magazine that I know, had, a yeah. mon- had a monthly print run. And therefore, with communication as it was in the early 90s, had delays on getting responses to things that they they asked for etc and then to respond to them themselves and all that yeah plus we're doing this as a podcast roughly once a month and so <laughs> these things are dragging on now yeah yeah well we're, we're still like even our rate is a, is a bit ahead of this um but then we don't have to write a whole magazine so <laughs> no we just have to pick it apart the people's yeah. magazines <laughs> speaking of which <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not that bad. The next feature is Holly calling back to Health and Lions, we assume. Yeah. It's the it's the standard Holly voice that we've come to know from um from this magazine, I guess. Slightly yeah. a bit more ditzy, a bit more outspoken. She doesn't know what the chess pieces are called. <laughs> well she makes a reference to an inside number nine episode from two thousand and twenty two. Sorry? There's Mr. There's Mr. King. <laughs> oh yeah, Mr. King and Mrs. King. Yeah, it's it's more so than the previous ones. I think an attempt to round up the things that are mentioned in Red Dwarf. Yeah, like the, there's back references to the Monopoly board pub crawl and Better Than Life and Cat playing Scrabble and Holly's chess against Gordon and Queeg. So it's kind of like here's a a roundup of a topic. Yeah, that's done in this style. Yeah, it's decent. I mean, uh, with the scrub, with the Scrabble, they don't mention that the cat just makes you know nonsensical words. He he figures it out by smelling them, which is a, a cool detail. Mm. Yeah. Also, does Holly like Kevin Keegan, or does she not like Kevin Keegan? <laughs> well, she doesn't like his book. 
but she might like she other clearly is a fan yeah. of him yeah yeah it's like you know we're fans of red dwarf but we dislike time wave she likes everything that kevin keegan did apart from it's <laughs> it's a funny old game that's true yeah fair enough she's she not she's not one of these adverts. super fans that you know sits on twitter and you know defends absolutely everything that kevin keegan does even if he's posting anti-semitic uh, dog whistles on his blog or anything like that so yeah <laughs> that sort of thing yeah, that sort example. of thing yeah please note that kevin keegan is as not far as you're aware <laughs> is not there's plenty wrong with him but <laughs> i would love it if hitler won <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you another thing he's still got to go to the eastern front and get a result I mean he did like enjoy Brute oh yeah (laughs) and Sugar Puffs the well known Nazi cereal invented by Ferdinand Porsche no, it's invented by the honey <laughs> I predict, Danny, that you got a sudden urge to dig out your Smogopoly designs. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, I was like, oh, look, no, oh, Red Dwarf Monopoly, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. Gets shared around on on Twitter and Facebook every few years, and you're yeah, not credited. Every now and then it just sort of resurfaces. Oh my yeah. god, look at what someone's done. <laughs> Oh my god, who, who did this? Cry smile face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, link in the show notes. Yes. If it's still there, I may delete it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some fucker will have found it. Yeah. We'll probably find like a copy that someone's stolen and watermarked and uploaded somewhere. Yeah, yeah selling on Etsy or something. But then obviously, yeah, and then there was the, the Minopoly and um, some Samsara. Yeah, of course. Once again, Doug raiding old copies of this magazine to get his ideas. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, a pretty dark depiction of a a game head here. Yeah. (laughs) Crocodile clips directly onto the skull. Crocodile clips. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a weird one. It's weird as well that they're very they're very fond of the the novel version of the canon, aren't they? Like. Yeah. When whenever they're making definitive statements about something, it's it's always the novel version if it exists. Like better than life being deadly. And the Monopoly Board Pub Crawl, I guess. Uh yeah, that's true. Although oh yeah, no, sorry, that's mentioned in Red Dwarf USA. <laughs> <laughs> which we have recently <laughs> recorded. Actually surprised um Ben Elton didn't get a, a co writing credit. because um, <laughs> we we've got we got British Rail getting it stuck to them. Yeah. If these bastards in the 80s and 90s, by which I mean Ben Allen and yeah. Alan Lyons, if people knew what the fuck would happen to the, the railway system in this country, they would not be taking the piss out of British Rail so much. When was it privatised? Not long after this. Yeah, it was mid-90s. basically happening at this point, yeah, just before, yeah. before Labour. Who oh boy. And I have a horrible feeling that we will be saying the same thing about people who mock the BBC yeah. in about 30 years' time. Yeah. Or the NHS, the NHS in about 20 years' time. Let's move on. Speaking of laughing, they've done the episode guide in a weird way. <laughs> but they have given an excuse yeah. for it. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? 
The reason being they wanted to save Series 2 till last because they only have black and white photos of Series 2. So were they hoping that more photos would emerge? Like, were they buying themselves time to see if they could Or they wanted to lead with their best foot, I guess, best foot forward. I'll tell you what, actually, I'm curious as to... Because I can't really remember if any more kind of pictures came out. So let me just check Toss and I'll just see if if on the, the gallery there's any better Series 2. Oh, downtime, reddwarf.co.uk, new provider. Oh, well. It'll probably be sorted by the time this is released. Yeah, probably. This is just at the, at the time of recording, <laughs> uh-huh. Tess has been down for... Is ages. that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho! <laughs> yes, fact-checking Santa. Toss is still offline. <laughs> oh, we should have a fact-checking, fact-checking Bride Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> no. No! <laughs> it's still fucked. <laughs> Brian, when is Toss back online? I don't know what you mean by Toss. Toss. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are very few decent shots of Series uh, 2. Yeah, it's all There was a handful of photos taken on the set of Parallel Universe, some black and white, some colour, and that seems to be about it. Mm. Because the video covers have... Uh, one uh-huh. colour shot of like the drive room yeah. uh, scene from Parallel Universe yeah. um, and they use bits of that photo all over the mm. uh, the VHS covers the, this one of um, Dave and Debs is pretty great though like yeah. pretty fucking cool yeah yeah Angela Bruce is very very good Angela Bruce is amazing <laughs> And a brigadier. Yes. And woman who gets run past by uh, Delboy and Rodney dressed as Batman. <laughs> also, those by are the three. Those are the three things <laughs> of Angela Bruce. <laughs> uh, oh no! Actually, she had that uh, pop career, didn't she? She under the name uh, Bruno Mars. <laughs> Anyway, I think the song was Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have an, anything to say about this? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I looked, yeah, look, looked at the, the cast notes. Like, all fairly straightforward. Pretty wrote, yeah. Um, I think particularly... Because there's no opinions missing... been put forward. Which is odd for Howarth and Lions. Um, oh, last paragraph. So this is the first of two instances of using this word. So, so Dave, the slut, could be pregnant. Rimmer certainly hopes so. And suffice to say, he isn't disappointed with the results of the pregnancy test. I hadn't read it. <laughs> so that was, yeah. that was news to me. I think what they're trying to do is playing to the joke that in parallel universe, things that one would normally say about women, you say about men and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, that they've revealed uh, an attitude of theirs, Mm. I think. I hope they don't direct it at a woman later on. Okay. (laughs) Also, in the show, it's like... I don't think that... No, that word definitely isn't used. It's like, you cheap little tart. tart. Like, it's... It's it's a little gentler. Yeah. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But perhaps, yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, don't want to be all culturally Marxist about it. And once again, 
proof that uh, Doug raided this magazine for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he even fucking softened this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sl- slag. Yeah, slag is slightly less bad. If you put it in the misogyny league table, you'll see that yeah. uh, <laughs> slag's comfortably in a European place, but uh, <laughs> slut's going for the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Craig pictured shortly after someone called him a slut. <laughs> you what, mate? With his big weapon out. And the Craig Charles interview. It's a, It's an interesting one. Isn't it? It's good. It get, it doesn't reveal as much sort of tangential stuff as the Danny John Jules one did last month. I enjoyed going into details of of things that were sort of current and relevant then, like the projects that he'd most recently worked on, which you know history hasn't particularly recorded much about. So it was interesting to <laughs> yeah, get yeah. some details about those. He was very straightforward about his attitudes and opinions as well, which is yeah. what I find most interesting. Because I was kind of expecting at the start when it was like, oh, he's busy, he's about to go to a football game, blah, blah. I thought it was just going to be a really, like, tossed off thing. Um, yeah. They had to tick him off the list and it was just going to be really quick. But it ended up being quite involved and interesting. Yeah. I did get the impression that it probably didn't go how they pictured it or how they planned it. But I think they ended up getting some interesting stuff anyway. Yeah, definitely. And Craig's very open with them. Yeah, I like the um, the continued bluntness of their questioning, though, yeah. early on in this. You've been doing this series for five years now. Are you bored with Lister yet? Because <laughs> apparently we're fucking bored with Red Dwarf already. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, this this thing about him, like, always wanting him to be, become more whole and less two-dimensional. And a bit later on, he mentions, oh, he's going to get a bit more character development in six. And then, well, is he, though? <laughs> <laughs> or are they going to double down on his easy gags? To great effect, but that is yeah. the decision they made, right? <laughs> but Craig's always had this thing of, at times, his analysis of Red Dwarf is pretty spot on and is better than most sort of contemporary fan opinion yeah. really of when he's talking so he's probably one of the first people to mention how Lister is at the heart of the show and even when it's a Rimmer story it's seen through Lister's the prism of Lister and yeah. his moral really good codes point. and and the way Lister reacts to everything is the heartbeat of the show he's dead right yeah absolutely oh, I don't agree with his assessment of how the show's developed he says like it became more serious and more macho yeah more macho which more... I suppose it did a bit but macho is probably not the word. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if serious is the word either because it was really, it's more serious in one and two than it is afterwards. I think sure. he's talking about the sort of the, the the attitude of the like the costumes and stuff like that. I think that's maybe yeah, or maybe... like yeah, a bit more serious from a production level, like they were taking yeah. it more seriously. Yeah, more professionals. Yeah, yeah. Not maybe on cheap as much. It was like the bit more money was poured into it. And... I mean, this was the early nineties, and like you know, general kind of sentiment like around comics and and genre in general was like, oh, it needs to be dark and gritty, and you know, mm-hmm. a bit violent because of you know what comics had done in the eighties and what was popular then. But yeah, it's interesting that he mentions the the classic sausage tale classic sausage the classic sausage tale but there's some weird there's some off there's a couple of moments here where the, there's details that are a bit off like uh he, he uh yeah that's it like he was he was 
took a sausage off Danny's plate, poured some tomato juice on the table, <laughs> dipped the sausage into the juice and ate it. Yeah. Uh, if that is that... the story, then that is that is pleasing. Much worse. Yeah. <laughs> much much harder than doing it with ketchup. ketchup yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a funny one because it's like it's not Craig telling the story, it's Craig quoting verbatim yeah. Rob telling the story in another, like, he's going through and he picks up the magazine from his back and says, hey, watch, read this, what yeah, do you yeah. think of this? I don't remember this, I mean, you know. <laughs> I would not be surprised at either situation, either Craig Charles not being able to remember something, I can, <laughs> I can believe that, or a story being so overblown by members of the Red Dwarf cast and crew that it basically turns into fiction. Um, after a couple of tellings, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder if what's happened here is that Craig reads it wrong. He he reads what's in the magazine, yeah, he reads Fox juice. magazine. He he says juice, but he meant sauce or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's track down that Fox magazine. We might have heard something like this in the past. I I don't know. I've consumed so many interviews from a dwarf that I can't remember. But but when they ask, like, when the first show began, did you ever anticipate how huge it is? Because, like, you expect the answer always to this to be, oh, yeah, no, we didn't really. Like, it was such mm. a surprise. And he said it that I think it took longer than we all expected it to take, actually. I mean, we were full of that naive enthusiasm that we were just starting something. We were a lot younger than we are now with a lot less experience. And we all thought it was going to take off. And so it was, yeah, it's, it, I guess it did take a long time to take off, but the story is always of oh, this unlikely success that, you know, took everyone by surprise, whereas yeah. I guess everyone involved in it was was like being a bit impatient and was expecting it to happen before series two and three. Yeah, so they realised that they were onto a winner and were waiting for everyone else to cut on. Cut yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, uh, that feels like a very honest take on it. And Craig here says that he had no desire to eventually become a presenter, so congratulations. Yeah, I mean, that, fair enough. He was like, I, you know, I, I get presenting jobs, so I do them. Um, he clearly didn't like being a presenter, clearly knew that he wasn't particularly good at it. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had a few successes, like like Robot Wars and Ghost Watch, kind of. Um, but there was a lot of duds presenting uh, uh, currently um what's it called money bags oh cock, game yeah, show yeah, yeah. and he mentions as well that he really didn't want to do a game show well th- these days presenting is less about like playing this part of a presenter and it's about just like and i i guess bradley walsh like richard osman have got a lot um a, a lot to do with this it's just about like being your own personality and like yeah. directing the show and just having a bit of a laugh and being quite relaxed about it yeah. rather than putting on this I am presenting and you know I have to do the whole kind of light entertainment led le- any thing you know mm. um well, you could you could describe all his radio stuff as presenting as well yeah. it's DJing but yeah. he presents a show he links it all together he he has to um extract all these things out of his trunk of funk he does. the the funk ex, The funk trunk extraction takes up a large portion <laughs> yeah. of the show. Yeah, it's very dangerous. Um, high, <clears throat> highly explosive contents. Uh, he also talks about Cyberzone. Yes, about <laughs> to happen. Like, I re- I really didn't want to do a game show, but they convinced me that it won't be perceived like that. <laughs> okay. Well, what was it perceived like? I mean, I I I, <laughs> I definitely 
viewed it positively at the time because it was exciting and futuristic and it had Craig Charles in it and I was like anything to do with Red Dwarf I will well it was it was being done by Broadsword which is the same guys who did Nightmare yeah so it was that same thing of thinking if it's like that it'll be good yeah he made a good decision going for it for sure I think so but um yeah, Thank like, God he did because that brought the catchphrase "awuga" into the presenting <laughs> lexicon, and <laughs> John Fashionu ran where Craig Charles walked. Yeah, yeah, great artists still. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from John Fashionu, he was not a great artist. <clears throat> also, uh, Craig's off to America to yes. uh, to live there and do stand up there. Maybe get a sitcom or two. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck. I mean, God, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, I don't even. The know alternative how long that reality. Lasts. Yeah. <laughs> the alternative reality where Craig goes off and breaks America and becomes like the next, well, the next Craig Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. Or something uh, yeah. like that. <laughs> but what actually would happen is Red Dwarf Six would start production. Later this year, yeah, pretty soon. It'd have to be because its original, its original air date was spring. Yeah. Um. So like, he probably like went over to America for a couple of weeks. Thought, well, that's a bust. He could have just been going on holiday and he sort of bigged up his part. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's going, got a few he's going to LA. Yeah, he's got a few. <laughs> I've got to go meet NBC. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird because they were the guys who made the American Red Dwarf. Planet. It's like, oh, that's funny, isn't it? It's... Yeah. They didn't want me. <laughs> It's a uh, shit business. I think it's um, <laughs> it's unfair actually to say, oh, like they didn't want me, or like Robin Doug didn't want. Like when they're doing something like the American version, you can't just transplant the whole cast. Like at most, you do yeah. one cast member, and even then, like probably don't bother with that because, like, what they had Richard Ayoade for the IT crowd, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And. Nigel Planer was in the fucking... The yeah, exactly. American like, there was a token person and, and none of those really worked in any way. Like, imagine if they put... Actually, I can't remember if Ricky Gervais turned up. No, he uh, wrote and directed a couple of episodes early on. But they He's definitely in one Gervais episode in of The Office. He's definitely... Uh, the yeah, there's one oh, episode okay. where David Brent goes to America. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Right, okay. But yeah, but that that being the, the most successful translation... Uh, of a British to American sitcom, that's the one that completely ditched virtually everything about the the UK version and just did its own thing. Mm-hmm. As discussed in our previous Dwarfcast, mm. I think. Don't okay. remember. Sanford and Son, I think we mentioned as well. There's a couple of old shows that I want to dig out after reading this interview. We've got a thing he did for Yorkshire called Talk Back, which is like a, a well, he says it's like it's a school thing I wanted to do. Wrote the script for it, not the idea, just the comedy bits in it about teaching school leavers how to use language and how to cope with various situations. It sounds like something we'd have watched in school. Like it, it sounds like something would have been yeah. recorded by a teacher yeah. or in the day after. If you were leave, I guess if you were like a leaver from, uh, if you're like leaving primary school, I guess age thirteen, twelve or thirteen, sounds like that sort of thing, maybe. Oh, I got the implication that it was for people leaving school to go into work. Oh, right, okay. How to conduct yourself and how to sound professional and using language that way. But, yeah, Yeah. we should see if if it's out there. I doubt it. Yeah, (laughs) I doubt it as well. If it it is online, then we'll link in the show notes. And if there's nothing in the show notes... What was the other thing? Them and Us. Them and Us. It was a a documentary series that he did about injustice and social 
shiz like that. And the only details we have on it, uh, I made us go to Peebles and do the gollywogs. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> you know what the gollywogs I assume... are, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I assume it's an early example of a black person saying, um, are you sure about this tradition that you've got? No, lads? Yeah, this is, what, a couple of years after um, the minstrel show was canned? Yeah, yeah. Craig's ahead of his time here like i guess he always was really with with his social commentary that's where his poetry started and like he's yeah. always been quite forthright one of, one of the things about him to be very proud of i think is like as people who've been fans of his like lifelong fans of his he's always been that sort of you know that sort of person and i'd really yeah. like to see that the problem is with these SJWs that come a, come along <laughs> in the early nineties and ruin our sci-fi sitcoms. Are you ready for this? Do, 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 I'm, a, do, 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 I'm a Liverpool supporter. If we win the UEFA, then we'll have a big talk about it. But at the moment, Liverpool are playing like red dwarfs. You know what I mean? They're not really red giants. Um, <laughs> win the UEFA. <laughs> <laughs> At well, the time, that could have been one of three trophies. <laughs> and now it could be one of three oh, trophies, yes, yeah, but, it's, point. but it's a different <laughs> trophy. The body of a different trophy. I use this in conjunction with the intro saying that there was a televised football match that night. And there's a bit where they're talking about Series 5 and he refers to the Inquisitor as last week's episode. Aha. It places this interview as having taken place on the 4th of March, 1992, when that evening, Genoir beat Liverpool 2-0 in the UEFA Cup quarter-final first leg. Genoir also won the other leg at Anfield, and so Liverpool did not, in fact, go on to win the UEFA. I guess that's what it might have been called at the time. The, it's the UEFA the Cup. The UEFA yeah. Cup, yeah. The Champions League had only just been rebranded the Champions League, I think. Yeah, because that was just before the Premier League, wasn't it? The year before. Yeah, it was just about to be rebranded. It was still the European Cup. And was just about to be called the Champions League, and so no one, no one ever called it the UEFA European Cup in the way they call it the UEFA Champions League. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. At the time, the UEFA would have just been the UEFA Cup. Yep, yep. Premier League was a few months away from launching, and yes, and little does he know, little does he know that there's quite a rough few years for Liverpool coming <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> not, not much going on for a while. <laughs> And that's the second Craig Charles interview uh, in the Smegazine short life so far that we've been able to date by what <laughs> Liverpool games are on. <laughs> oh, well, it was Villa. Villa Leeds was the last one. Oh, that was yeah. it. We don't talk about that game, though. What do you think, Danny? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. It's the Red Dwarf fun page. <laughs> I believe my colleague has a fact. So there was talk about... I know Susan Rattigan is... Craig Charles, well, was Craig Charles' girlfriend at the time when she did Camille. There was another actress they had in before. I thought that was Craig Charles' girlfriend, and that didn't work, and so they got Suzanne Rattigan in to replace her. Ah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, that would have made more sense that way around. Like, they tried out the girlfriend, she was shit, so they got a proper actor in, but it was the other way around. So, emergency. It was, it was Tracy Brebin, um, now Labour MP, uh, Tracy Brebin. Oh the... shit! Is it actually? Is that who it was? Yeah, <laughs> I've been wondering why I knew that name. She's now the mayor of West Yorkshire. That's it, mayor of West Yorkshire. Yeah, was was MP for uh, 
Joe Cox's constituency, now Mayor yeah. of West Yorkshire. Previously, shit Camille, apparently. Yeah. God, <laughs> Just that's got, crazy, <laughs> got, got replaced with Susan Rattigan. Because, yeah, you, it would make sense that, because obviously Judy Pascoe was cast because she was Robert Llewellyn's partner. So you'd assume that the partners were always the first choice for all of them, but apparently not. But um, what I found out is that Susan Rattigan is a musician. Um, and she's done a lot of session musician stuff. And I found out that she was a backing singer on Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, which I thought was quite <laughs> so she So while looking for facts about Susan Rattigan, she rickrolled you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sneaky. Now, this has reminded me, there's a, a, another, the other weird turn of phrase in this. Um, in uh, Top of the last page. Top of the last page, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how Susan Raskin talks. Uh, if you remember, she played my dream machine in Camille. Dream machine. Yeah. So, Did she? I, th- I think that's a classic bit of kind of Craig Charles vagary. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. misremembering the yeah. details of what Camille was, and so just picking out a phrase <laughs> from the recesses of his mind, yeah. and hoping for the best. Yeah. Very odd little bit of prescience without it really it wasn't really precious but it just read weirdly knowing now no we we know about Craig Charles said uh, about Coronation Street said, there's, oh, only yeah. so much, there's only so much you can write about Coronation Street I don't think I'll do another though I don't think it's me really I know he's talking about something else when he's talking about that but he's now in Coronation yeah, I've done yeah that's funny can I just shock you I love Coronation Street <laughs> as he looks at his first paycheck <laughs> okay Let's go. Fun page. Oh, it's Woo! so fun. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> that was a lot well, of fun. Well, we've been kicked out of our lodgings. <laughs> so, this dot to dot is a fish, isn't it? How do you know? Have you filled it in? It's a bucket and spade. <laughs> yeah, I've got permanent marker on my monitor. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> but it's alright, I've got this Tipex. <laughs> and then there's Lister's word, word search, which actually I found quite amusing. I, said, I, was, yeah. I realised later on that there actually is something else going on there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, the joke is that if you bother to read the paragraph that goes with it, which I'm kind of... Meh. The joke is that Rimmer says that he can't have any insults towards Rimmer in his puzzle this week, and so he's done a word search where all the unused letters spell out Arnold Rimmer is a tosspot. But... <laughs> What's amused, what amused me, I don't know whether it's an intentional joke or not, is that Arnold, Rimmer, Complete and Utter are all split up by the words and then the bottom line of the crossword is just toss pot. Yeah. <laughs> completely <laughs> un- unmodified, completely bold as brass. Yeah, not not very subtle, but there you go. <laughs> Unbold Rimmer, Lageris. They've, they've never quite found the the funny with this fun page <laughs> like just make it's it certainly st- a page it's just madness it's literally a waste of like ink. trees they actually killed trees for this yeah, Benny. right fun over <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, have we had one of these little 2000 AD lifeline yeah. ones yeah, before yeah. I still don't understand it no, if anyone listening either. anyone listening knows 2000 AD at all which I think we and do why. have at least one expert. You'd hope. Yeah. If anyone can explain these adverts to us, please do in the comments below. So that's half a page, and the rest of the page is a plug for subscriptions. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. 
just threaten your readership and subscribe. <laughs> I loved it though. Yeah, they've done it in character as the Inquisitor. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Series five starting to creep into the the lexicon. Yeah, this is the second Inquisitor bit of this yeah. edition as well. Yeah, it's kind of all the multitude of big ideas, iconic ideas that happened in Series 5 uh, seeping in, yes. and you my fine friends will see just how much they fucking seep in <laughs> the cascading tumble of uh, Series 5 ideas this is just <laughs> this is the tip of the iceberg Yes, speaking of <laughs> ideas <laughs> Speaking of whatever this is, <laughs> whatever the fuck this is. Well, first things first. I think we said it last time, but all things cry ten beautiful is quite. I quite enjoy. It's an amazing pun. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't really match with any of the content. Like, I think genuinely the title first. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a bit of writing that involves Crichton. Therefore, therefore, yeah. <laughs> Um, good idea, I would say, to have a little, you know, tour of the ship. And I'd say it's more successful than some of the previous prose yeah. fiction, like the Holly sort of black box recording and the Rimmer dictating diary. It's the same sort of concept of found footage, but this is a, a transcript of a video. I think they overdo the camera based jokes of the scutter filming badly it just gets yeah the, the, the stuff in the brackets of like yeah when they when they start getting out of hand but does anyone else find that the picture of Crichton walking slowly towards you on the ceiling smiling <laughs> vaguely terrifying <laughs> it's like something that Ewan McGregor would see when he's coming off heroin <laughs> <laughs> Not the character, the actual... <laughs> yeah, actually, you Gregor, yeah. This art is, I believe, by Glenn Ricks. Again, not actually credited on the page, but the credits at the front have Carl Flint and Glenn Ricks as the feature artists. And we know from previous issues that Carl Flint is the Holly Calling guy. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Ricks is my favourite single malt. <laughs> so, Cat likes clothes. Yeah, he loves them. He's got loads of clothes. He has to sleep a lot and eat a lot. Whereas Rimmer loves cricket. And teenagers. <laughs> I don't think there's ever, ever been a reference before or since to Rimmer liking cricket. And presumably, I mean, fair play at the lad, but he does, it is implied that he's having sexy times with WG Grace. Yeah, that was... <laughs> That was my conclusion. <laughs> Come on, England! He's <laughs> <laughs> on a sticky what's, wicket. What's the what's the, what's the line here? Um, Fancy coming back to the pavilion and having a quick duck. <laughs> I mean, he, he means fuck. <laughs> well, he means zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, oh yeah, have a, a tab zero. <laughs> if you want a tab, you have to pay for it. That that did come as a surprise because initially it was some young girls saying oh Rimmer you're so good at cricket let's have sex 
then WG Grace came out, and I thought it was just going to be that WG Grace was a fan of Rimmer, yeah. <laughs> like it, a better than life type thing, where he has all these fantastic people from history around to slap him on the back and tell him how brilliant it is. But then WG Grace wants to have sex with Rimmer as well. <laughs> yeah. So fair enough. <laughs> I read it as him being WG Grace. Uh, at first, I thought that, but, but he's, he's a perfect shot. Arnold. Yeah, yeah, he's talking so to. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of people forget this as well. Like, Ribbit is not from England. Yeah. yeah. He's not English in the sense of, like, being, like, Eton or that but kind of But he is from thing. the public like, school planet. Yeah, I suppose well, that's the, sorry. Yeah, I suppose that yeah. stuff would carry over, wouldn't it? I think I said this during the book club, but I, I picture IO as being a British colony. Oh, yeah. So, like... People on IO are of British descent. That's it might right. be a, like a, a Falklands or Gibraltar type situation yes. where they consider themselves British, but they're not in the traditional sense. And also, like, yeah, the age of eight empires move on and things change. And, like, certainly half the people that we used to, <laughs> that Britain used to rule over, definitely do not consider themselves British anymore. Um, but yeah, Rimmer has, is imbued with all these tropes, probably just because of his public school. Yeah. background maybe rimmer's dad was and then yeah yeah he's like first yeah. first generation of, of immigrant. stock yeah, yeah maybe yeah okay fair enough yeah fair enough. it would definitely be in character for a posh public school boy to be Wanting into to cricket WG and wg race, race. <laughs> i mean that that's half of what they teach there i mean it's like rimmer's <laughs> never going to make a sexy game of risk happen is it <laughs> <laughs> Not with that attitude. Cricket is one of the least sexy possible games. The amount yeah, of... that's why that's why the nymphs, so the hollow nymphs, have, are only <laughs> wearing cricket pads and helmets. So they have to. But be even so, that's naked. not sexy. No, that's just dangerous. <laughs> like the, that's just the, yeah, it's dangerous for a start. Yeah, and possibly <laughs> illegal. <It's> dangerous. <laughs> Although I think that like protective gear for cricket only really came in after this point. I think like the wicket keepers didn't have to wear helmets until quite late on. Until someone's head got caved in by a ball. Pretty much, yeah, in a, in a high-profile game. Oh, he um, should wear a helmet as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> massive chunk of leather that's being held yeah. at us at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. The hollow nymph in question, pictured, I think, is supposed to be the handmaiden from the Inquisitor. Do you mean terraform? Yes. Sarah Stockbridge, yeah. I think her name is. She was the one that was mentioned in the first magazine as like one of the huge guest stars that's coming up in series five. Yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely love her a bit because I think they were mentioned in passing, trying to get their their names and numbers from Hillary Bevan Jones or something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't talk about issue four. <laughs> so yeah, very odd, but welcome. Keep keep doing weird shit because it's interesting. And the presentation of this uh, feature is a lot better than the efforts in the first couple of issues where it was just a huge, impenetrable-looking block of text. Yeah, it's much least, yeah, much fewer text. It's better illustrated. It's more spread out. Easier, easier on the eye. Yeah, I kind of like the joke of the cat saying that a peak sounds like a dog to him. Let's take a peek. Oh. No, see, I fucking hate that. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> that. that's the worst thing. You imagine it like that. Oh, we'll go into the cat's, uh, uh, the cat's quarters. Let's take a chihuahua. <laughs> that, that, that's an amusing <laughs> sentence. So, like, anyway, it strikes me as a pun 
that requires you to use a word that ne- is never used in that context. And mm. again, it reminds me a lot of some of Doug's <laughs> solo jokes yeah. from later down the line. It's like it's one step removed from spit on a wrist. Oh, yeah, yeah, spit on a wrist is worse. Yeah, spit on a wrist is worse. Spit on, there's nothing worse than spit on a wrist, I don't think. Ooh, high and low gags. <laughs> well, it's in the right bloody episode, isn't it? Oh, well, maybe one day we'll get over Time Wave. <laughs> <laughs> Just to conclude, Lister is quite messy. That's the other joke. The really hamming up the slob thing, when we've just had two series where that side of him isn't really very prominent. Like, four and five, he's quite... He's and a, a big interview with Craig Charles where he talks about how his character's been fleshed out yeah. and made less two-dimensional and more of a real person. Yeah, exactly. He gets yeah. turned more into the slob. Like There's more slob jokes in Six because Six is always looking for the gag. Because of the gag rate. Yeah, but... But yeah, it's 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 a common thing where for writing sketch, you know, quick quick fire Red Dwarf settings, little skits like this, you do have to default to the archetypes of the characters yeah. for speed to get to gags because the best the best comedy in Red Dwarf is detailed and comes from acres of character work that goes into the big gag at the end rather than three pages. For sure, mm. that's why Red Dwarf doesn't clip well. Well, Kepsi, you seem to be quite the expert on this oh, Red Dwarf thing. for fuck's sake. Well, so you claim. I will turn over the page, but you two shall not turn over the page, because the next page is the page which is the Red Dwarf two-way quiz page. Put me out of my sodding misery. Will Kepsi finally claw back some long-lost dignity <laughs> in this competition? Or will Danny triumph yet again Danny's got Danny's currently got a 100% record with all the questions as well so that's that's quite a lot of pressure to keep that performance up whereas I am I am free to kind of just like you know relax and just do my best but will it be good enough yes yes (laughs) I am Aston Villa Danny is Bayern Munich and the year is it 1982 let's find out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now on this occasion unfortunately i had a look through and the difficulty is pretty um standardized throughout the odd questions aren't more difficult than the even questions or vice versa unfortunately so i can't fix it so i will give you a genuine choice of whether to go first or second capsi because of your loser status i'll go first okay your fate is sealed yeah let's begin Section one is questions you should get in a few minutes. But I'm not going to impose that as a time limit because it is too long for a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so just answer it straight away, really. Yeah. In which city was Red Dwarf originally recorded? Manchester. Correct. Danny. Bearing in mind this is 1992. How many episodes has Talky Toaster appeared in? Oh, three? Correct. Yep. There is an argument to be made. Uh, that series one is it's not one. Toaster. Yeah, because it's just called the toaster, not yeah. talkie toaster. But the answer they give is three, and that's clearly what Future Echoes went for Garden Wild. I was trying to figure yes. out, is it two or three in series one? That's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, was just, <laughs> yeah. I could only think of two, so I thought, fuck it. Capsi. <laughs> Which ship was Crichton serving on when the Red Dwarf crew originally found him? 
the Nova 5. Correct. <clears throat> Danny, who is the Scutter's idol? John Wayne. Correct. Who did Rimmer see die in the drive room in a future Echo? Bexley. Correct. Spoilers for future editions of the comic strip. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the stupid way. <laughs> Wonder if they'll make uh, him his grandson. It remains to be seen. In the answers here, it says Lister's son Bexley. Oh, right, so okay. I was gonna. <laughs> I, I was wondering whether you, you were hesitating as to whether it was son or grandson. No, I was thinking, was he actually named? I thought well, yeah. it was either Jim or Bexley, but then I was like, oh yeah, old Lister says. But it was Bexley. It was Bexley. It was Bexley. <laughs> now I'm from Burnley, apparently. <laughs> Fucking Bexley. <laughs> Denny. In which hotel did Lister and Kachansky honeymoon? Oh. Uh, it's the Ganymede Holiday Inn. Correct. And this is Manchester Midland, but that's not... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Capsi, what affliction does Crichton's third spare head suffer from? Droid rot. Correct. Bexley. <laughs> Bexley! <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what was the name of Camille's husband? Hector. That nearly went out of bed completely. Shit. You got it. Kepsi, who played Jim Reaper? Robert Huellin. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And finally for this section, Danny, which two roles have been played by David Ross? Talking Thursday. <laughs> and Crichton. And the Crichton. And the Crichton. Correct. So at the end of that round, it's even Stevenson's. Uh, award yourself one point for every correct answer in section one. So you both have five points. Yay. Boom. Now in section two, uh, the answers are all worth 1,000 points. So they're harder. So <laughs> Someone needs that to have was... a word with the scoring system. Yeah. And for these this is worse ones. than Fibbage, like doubling the points in the third round. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Kepsi. Oh, Christ. <clears throat> these are ones you won't get in three million years, apparently. Okay. Who was Rimmer's cadet school instructor? Yakutakatullah. Incorrect. Yakutakatullah was his space scout mistress. Shite. Do you know it, Danny? Was it Caldicott? Caldicott. It was Caldicott. That was too quick there. Should have thought. <sighs> Danny. What colour are the walls of Red Dwarf's corridors? Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, good. Oh, I always get this wrong every single fucking time. The thing is, though, you don't know whether it's asking the old colour or the one that he, cha- he changed it to in Me Squared. Ah, uh, but within Me Squared, the other Rimmer changes it back. Oh, yeah. Right. No helping. Don't talk to him. Why am I stressed? <laughs> Ocean Grey. We'll find out after the break. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the break. He's right. <laughs> it was Ocean Grey. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! Because Rimmer wants to change it to military grey. Yeah, I was Ocean back Grey. to Ocean Grey. He's quite quite mad, is what I was trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Pressure's back on. Capsy, who was Lister's geography teacher? 
That is a fucker. Geography teacher. At least I've got three million years to get it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not in my head. It's not three my head. million years later. <laughs> Would you have got this, Danny? Uh, Miss Foster. It is Miss Foster. I thought she was in she, Gloucester. She didn't think men were better than machines. Yeah, so, I'm Danny? Fucked, not necessarily. But probably. <laughs> Who supplied Lister's sausage and onion gravy sandwiches? <laughs> Luigi's fish and chip and for you. <laughs> Correct. Damn it. Fish and a chip. Fish and the chip. <laughs> Kepsi, what was the first love of Holly's life? Um, Sinclair ZX81. Correct. You're only a thousand points behind. Two thousand? I've got two. No, wrong. Da- oh, yeah, but yeah, I've got Yeah, okay, right. Danny's got a game in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Danny, who was the main character in the Cat People's Elementary books? Uh, is it Dick? Well, there's no need for that just because you don't know it. <laughs> what, because we've got a shit table? <laughs> it is Dick. That is a really weirdly worded question. It is, isn't it? Because I yeah. was thinking about like Cloister the Stupid and all that I shit. I immediately so... thought Cloister when yeah, I read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Then I remember he's talking about the ones where he's learnt to read. Yeah, but there's no suggestion that he's a recurring character in a series of books. <laughs> he just happens to be in that particular book. Yeah. Because there's another book where he has this ball, this big ball, this big red ball. Oh, okay, right. So, <laughs> very, at the very least, he's in two books. There's two books. Yeah. <laughs> if someone ate roast beef twice in their life, you wouldn't say they had a series of roast beef. <laughs> there's only one more question left each, isn't there? There's two more questions each. You fail the maths round. Kepsi, who played the Lift Music Classics on one of his many albums? Reggie Wilson. Correct. Danny, what did Holly claim was the only thing keeping him sane? Uh, The relationship he has with the singing potatoes. Yes. That's too good. Everyone's the fans fans are on the pitch. Like... <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna try and punch Patrick Vieira. Yeah, it's an unassailable lead, I'm afraid, Capsi. But you can still maintain your pride by getting this one right. Uh, which night has Rimmer designated as amateur Hammond organ recital night? Thursday. Oh, so close! It's a Wednesday. And finally, Danny, what was the name of Rimmer's school? Iowa House. Everyone knows it's fucking I.O. House. <laughs> Capsi has left the studio in disgust. <laughs> I'm, I'm fumbling with my lav He's fumbling. He's, he's taking his mic off. He's like, I'm off. I'm off. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. Fucking tireless <laughs> shit. Is it I.O. House, by any chance? Yes. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> He shouts from beyond the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, mate. Uh, okay, so Danny has ended with 5,005 points. But Capsi, you got 2,005 points, which is still enough to be in the top tier of the ranking system on this quiz. Well, that's good. 
which is 1,111 up. And I've just noticed that there's a whole thing about the points are actually in binary. Uh, so I don't actually understand the points. Oh, right. <laughs> so, but <laughs> in terms of who got the most questions right, it was once again Danny, who is now 3-0 up. And I can't remember if there are any more quizzes as we go on, or indeed if there's enough for you to be able to catch up. But well, I'm 3 nil now. down. Uh, D- Danny has a 100% record. Um, <laughs> so, you know... It's the second part that, that counts. Right? No. no, no. Uh, the next <laughs> bit of listener interaction we're going for is we want you to answer some questions and whoever gets them better than Capsy can take his fucking place. <laughs> Get some real Red Dwarf experts on here. <laughs> yes, please. Put me out my misery. And that was the Red Dwarf two-way quiz. <laughs> Ace, Ace Rimmer will... Fuck. Have sex with Deb's list. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, uh, yeah, God. it's the comic time. What if, right, for the next issue, what if we do a comic strip and it's parallel universe, but it's even less subtle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a kind of, it's an update to parallel universe. It's parallel universe Two. from a series five perspective of all the developments that have happened in our universe since then are reflected. Yeah. In this... It was just a cool idea. Yeah. Um, in practice, that means <laughs> Crichton's got lipstick on yeah. <laughs> and it's Crichton's called Daisy. French maid. And Hilly is now looks like Norman. Yeah. Makes sense. Still got the same name, even though Hilly is, for some reason, <laughs> like a feminized version of Holly, <laughs> which is a girl, <laughs> which, is, which is traditionally a girl's name, yeah. Um, it can be both Holly Thingy from what's it, Johnson, Frankie Hollywood. <laughs> Put that together. I'll, in take, take those words. I'll, I'll, let, I'll edit those words together to some sort of sentence, shall I? <laughs> uh, so Deb's listener is is fucking a sex doll. At the start, that's what we open with. Yeah, playful Pete. Playful Pete, because she's playful Pete. And it should be inflatable Ian. <laughs> All right, we know how you feel that. about uh, <laughs> Angela Bruce. <laughs> I just want to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So some of the gender flipped sayings. I haven't had any fun in mares years. Yeah, instead of donkeys years. So. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. A mare is a female horse. A donkey isn't a male horse. Yeah. A donkey's a donkey. I'm assuming donkey's years comes from the fact that you know donkeys are very hardworking and they work for many years. I don't know, but <laughs> like, yes, doesn't. And um, <laughs> you're going to be severely disappointed, Milasso. That that famous. <laughs> a female donkey is called a Jenny. Right, so I haven't had any fun in so Jenny's it should years. be Jenny's years. Oh, I didn't realise donkey's ears is rhyming slang. Ah, oh, donkey's ears. Years. For years. So when you say donkey's years, you're just saying the word years. Yeah, so what you should really be saying is donkey's, which is what yeah. people do. So the years has been added on unnecessarily. Yeah, it's now a tautology. <laughs> so yeah, basically Debs wants to fuck someone and have babies. Or wants to fuck yeah. babies into someone. <laughs> but that is basically how it's presented. No, no, like, I get it's it. So, it's so it is, fucking direct. Like the, 
The last two words of that sentence were crucial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this isn't the story about <laughs> Prince Andrew. So there's a cool, like, I, I, I like this alternate dimension that we found Ace in. Yeah. It's interesting structure, really, because we start off with a little cold open, really, of um, a, a separate little mini Ace adventure in some sort of medieval zone. <laughs> yeah, the medieval zone with ginormous cats. And he has sex with Holly. I mean, th- this is the joke, really, throughout, is <laughs> pretty much that Ace goes to dimensions and has sex with women. Yeah. And, and yeah, there is a version of Holly... I guess that makes you know, it follows the logic of dimension jump. I guess. Yeah, she, this is a version of Melly. Yeah, Prin- Princess Melly, Princess Helena. Princess, Princess Melina auditioned for Rimmer, but didn't get it. <laughs> Again, like taking the name Holly and adding yeah. more another <laughs> feminine, a female it, version yeah. of Holly. <laughs> Princess Holly would have been fine. Yes, and I don't think they're very confident drawing Ace's face. The, the ace of face. Didn't they have a number one with all that she wants? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because in that first panel with the two big cat lads, he looks like Rick Moranis in <laughs> Ghostbusters. And then, yeah, just, I don't know, there's something off about, about ace in general, I think, in this. Well, the artist is Alan Burroughs, who was the artist for the end strip. And throughout that one, we were debating whether they even had the image rights to Chris Barry or not. So I think it's just that this particular artist has a bit of a blind spot with Chris Barry's Barry's face. Right, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's just a stylistic... Yeah, because Suzanne Petit is fairly good. Like, I think it's a fairly good approximation. Yeah, no, it does look good. It does look good. Ace's dimension hopping is meant to sort of, like, bring him out where there's actually another Arnold River, but there isn't one in the last one. There was a hint, so... Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe he's that owl. <laughs> owl, owl, old rimmer. Barn owl, rimmer. Barn owl, rimmer. There we go. There we go. That's him. <laughs> Good. And meanwhile, Deb's Lister is extremely tawny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, um, the reverse misogyny starts as soon as um, <laughs> as soon as Ace arrives, and you've got Arlene calling him a tart. Second he gets out of the case, what a tart! It's <laughs> a fucking chance, mate. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, you can I can forgive that because it's Rimmer on Rigor, it's, Rimmer it's, it's Rimmer's it's Rimmer's attitude to women personified as Arlene Rimmer's attitude to men. Yeah. And also, uh, whenever there's an arsehole version of Rimmer meeting an ace version of Rimmer, they don't like it. Oh, yeah, okay. So I can see that immediately as a revulsion. I love this. Yeah. I love this second fucking panel. Just after introductions have been made. Oh, anyway, I'm knackered. Can I, like, have a nap? <laughs> you guys are so boring compared to the previous That's dimension. the ace we know and love. Like, he, you know, like in Dimension Jump, he had a broken arm. He hadn't. He, he was on forty-eight hours, like forty-eight hours without sleep. So he had a nap first, you know. <laughs> it just seems like a bit of a dick. Like maybe, maybe this is a couple of aces onwards, and we, we've just got someone, one of them that's a bit too much like 
normal rimmer. <laughs> oh, well, you're already in the um, Stoke Mere Clipper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Doug got to get his ideas from somewhere. Yeah. As time goes on, there may be some amusement had in an attempt to <laughs> collate all of this extra material into a cohesive, you know, Red Dwarf cannon. And so it would make sense because we see, not to spoil anything particularly, but this isn't the last Ace Rimmer strip that we see in the Smegazine. And so there are multiple dimensions visited. It could well be that there, there are multiple Ace Rimmers already. This, this is quite a sad tale of like Arlene being rejected, isn't it, really? Yeah, there's a bit where she's she like gets changed into her Admiral's yeah. uniform and she's sort of on the town... Oh, like, right, yeah. So, and then it's just sadly changes back. Into just like yeah, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Debs takes that opportunity. Debs, despite having it. twins. Um, massive, massive, massive twins. Massive twins that uh, <laughs> appear to be living in Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> needs more twins. <laughs> because she's seen... Um, She's seen future echoes of two daughters, so, yeah. so presumably she, which is you know it's interesting, but it's a little bit. That's muddled. a very interesting point because yeah. our Lister, Dave Lister, saw future echoes of him with two babies, and the way that that was resolved is through the events of Parallel Universe. He gets pregnant and has those babies. So if we are to assume that everything is the same apart from the genders in the female universe, then yeah, it does make sense that Debs would have seen a future echo yeah. of herself with babies, baby girls, because everything's opposite. Mm. But that cannot be resolved in the same way that our universe one was resolved no. with the same event, because that's not how physics works well, in those universes. Well, we know how it's resolved. <laughs> we do. But yeah, yeah, it's a good point that I hadn't considered yeah. when reading it, is that this sort of fixes a, a plot hole in that yeah, it was it was impossible to resolve the parallel universe version of Future Echoes in the same way that it was resolved in our universe. That's good. But yes, of course, Ace Rimmer fucks uh, Deb's Lister. Yeah. In, like, literally the second ever piece of original <laughs> Red Dwarf comics material. We're, we're, <laughs> we're getting into the fanfic areas, yeah. Yeah, straight into the realms of fanfic. Yeah. And not only that, Ace is... Penis or he's sperm so is so powerful. So powerful. He's such a macho, macho man that he's able to impregnate someone who is infertile. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That you have just summed it up perfectly. It's a. It's a dumb joke. Like it, it doesn't bear much analysis. No. It's not like it's not designed to be. <laughs> it's a not. It's, it's the same thing that happened with basic. Well, it's the same thing that happened with Lister and Deb. Well, in parallel universe, the rule was that it the dimension that you're in is the one where the the physical rules apply. But yeah, Ace is so manly that he overrides that. He has his own physics. As he overrides. <laughs> Lister. I wonder how many Listers he uh, impregnates of the <laughs> of the many years. There's a particular panel where, where we've got um, Crichton, who is da- Daisy, Daisy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like dressed up in a in a maid's outfit and lipstick and eyelashes, 
And you got the twins drawn as like in a really weird way <laughs> as well, stood next to her. Yeah. Like I guess it's kind of it's a bit uncomfortable to think of two fully grown men that are toddlers. Um I think that seems to be the joke that they're going for is that yeah. because in the previous panel you don't see them. You see that they're you know, but, Daisy says they're tucked up in bed. We've been reading Jill and the Beanstalk. Yeah. And so the joke is that they're toddlers, but in the depiction it looks like two grown men with learning difficulties. Yeah. Is what it looks like. Yeah. And that's that's not a good joke. No. Um Well may, maybe they're just like glazed over because they've watched too much Donna Duck. That's true. Yeah. Does Donna Duck wrap a towel around her tits when she gets out of the bath? Um, hang on, let me Google. Do, <laughs> does ducks have tits? <laughs> um, and yeah, the return of the slut. Arlene calls Ace Commander Slut. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so I, I misremembered this. So earlier I indicated that, that word was used towards a woman, but it wasn't. It was used towards a... Yeah. It's yeah, it's one of those reversal yeah. gags. Yeah. Hilarious. But unlike the one in the episode guide, it's in character. It's it's Arlene saying yeah. it, not yeah. the writer of the piece. It's just it is one of those words that isn't dwarfy to me. No, yeah. not like I don't think any character saying it would ever sit right like slut slag. To be honest, I would have said twat wasn't a dwarfy word, but um, that was introduced into into the show in such a superb way that it became a dwarfy word. There's there's definite evidence, like going through the the Smega Drive stuff and doing all the subtitles. I've noticed a lot more swear words creeping in, yeah. bollocks, bastards, like you know all that all that stuff like sneaking in on the later series, like series twelve or eleven. The cat swears a, a lot more in like se- seven onwards. Son of a bitch. No shit, shit. Yeah, that's six, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the uh, final panel of this comic is a joke. <laughs> hey, Ace, I think I've just realised why they call it a dimension jump. Wah, 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 wah. See, I don't get it. <laughs> because he jumped her. Oh, yeah, he jumped her bones. Yeah. He jumped her bones. This is sex she's talking about. That's a shite joke. <laughs> this comic, yeah, interesting ideas. Yeah. Um, I like going back to Parallel Universe World and seeing what's happened since. Um, but it's not funny. It's a bit dodgy in places. Yeah, this is my summary of this comic. And it's just—it's just so like, like Ace doesn't feel like Ace in the slightest. No, it's kind of like the—it's the version of Ace that is just in the pre-titles of Stoke Me a Clipper, where he's a generic action hero. Yeah. But what they have in Stoke Me a Clipper is that they then go on and have him be a character, yeah, and and, and have interactions with Rimmo that feel real and have stakes to them and have emotion to them and and are and are rooted in the fact that these two people are the same but different. Yeah. Whereas here he just turns up and Fox. bones. Yeah. And there's no discussion about you know whether that's okay or not. There's not even a discussion with Arlene about like she wants. She clearly you know are they both are clearly attracted to each other as well, but they are the same person when Arlene was so disgusted with that originally when when Arlister came over. Yeah. How could you contemplate making love to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Odd. Odd. Maybe needed some female writers. Yeah. And these days you would have that. Maybe needed some Who are the writers? writers? Oh <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, who are the writers? But of course 
<laughs> yeah. <The> lads. <laughs> we know who the writers are. Yeah. <clears throat> Looking forward to there being more different voices in this magazine, basically. Okay, that does happen then, presumably. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. But not yet. No. <clears throat> We've got a full size picture of uh Dwayne Dibley again, but <laughs> this time with Billy Doyle. Yeah. Uh yeah, they went on to Holograms, the letters page. Joy. Slightly less annoying this time round. Yeah, the letters. Very much so. Councillor Alex Scroggy hasn't turned up this time. <laughs> In case you don't know, we 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 tried to find where Alex Scroggy is today. He was the one that was um <laughs> the basically the child that just wrote in a stream of consciousness uh, last last issue and there is a counselor called Alex Scroggy who fits the right age profile kind of yeah. and I tweeted him and he didn't reply I think he's been on Twitter for a while um, obviously his seat wasn't up in the recent elections and um, but there is an email address and I'm kind of I'm tempted to email him because <laughs> <laughs> if he says oh yeah I was I have no idea what I follow up with. <laughs> well, whatever you do, don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> yes. Bye. <laughs> uh, Lister's a slob, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they previous weeks they just published all the letters that they received. Uh, whereas <laughs> this time, like, because there's no... like, Not that they're all amazingly insightful and brilliant, because they're, they're fine. But there's no absolute nonsense stream of consciousness this time around. They're all coherent letters, at least. Yeah, no, that's very true. It is very true. And thus is it's a lot less interesting, I guess. Yeah. There's a few people like coming in, you know, with, with some jokes like, oh, you're implying that the king of the potato people isn't real. Oh, he is real. And it's like, okay, yeah, very funny. That's good. And like, <laughs> I want to be a trainee slob and... But there's some interesting stuff like someone who doesn't know the I like can't remember the full theme tune. Yeah. And so writes yeah. into a magazine. <laughs> it's just mad that there was a time when information like this just wasn't freely available and you have to write to a magazine and wait six weeks for an answer. Yeah, and then not get <laughs> <Yeah>. one. Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be fucked. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I was like like rather than just going, Yeah, or like what what's this what are these words? And so they're, and they're like, Ooh, I tell you what. We'll give it. We'll give a red dwarf baseball cap to anyone who can tell us. It's like fucking just do it. You do it. <laughs> but anyway, this is our new, as well as the uh, Inquisitor competition. We want you, our faithful listeners, to tell us the words to the red dwarf theme. <laughs> Don't do that. The the do words to the red dwarf title song is much easier to remember. Yeah, but we only found out about that in relatively recent I'm going to say, bloody hell, if anyone found out, then the head didn't explode. <laughs> Maybe that's it in the next issue. It'll just say, the lyrics to the theme tune are Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf. <laughs> it was there all along. <laughs> we got a little bit of a preview of next episode. Next issue, I should say. Someone asked about Red Dwarf USA and the and the uh, implications on the UK show. And apparently, in the next episode, we're going to get an update on Red Dwarf USA and its implications. <laughs> Presumably saying Red Dwarf USA does not exist and it has no implications. <laughs> there are no implications. <laughs> Other than Rob Grant has just had a few more a few more things thrown on his burnout pile um, <laughs> that will eventually be full. <laughs> and as a result, in approximately 30 years' time, the website would have What? What's the website? <laughs> There's also someone asking for a Mr. Flibble glove puppet, mm-hmm. which is only what, about 20 years before <laughs> it happened. One. Oh, God. <laughs> Just the, w- the worst at merchandising. 
Oh, like at this time, surely yep. the iron would have been oh, hot. Yeah. Yep. Really would have been to strike for a, yep. a Mister Flibble, yep. ready for the Christmas market. Yeah, but they did for not sure. stroke when they should have stricken. <laughs> From the record, and there's also what seems to be the one mandatory, slightly snippy, complainy letter yes. in each issue. <laughs> Some bloke just saying, "Well, this is all very well and good, but I would prefer less comics." To be fair, a lot of this feels like the stuff that we said last. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't write in. We yeah, just we know we didn't write in. We just wait twenty years before we could say anything about it. But yeah, I feel that it is uh, aimed mainly at a student audience, and uh, drawing on the front <laughs> cover as opposed to a photograph uh, gives an impression of a comic. Yeah, and then yeah, clearly this guy doesn't like comics because he makes two separate points about two of his four points yeah. uh, you should have less comics i would like to know how the studio fits into scenes with heavy reliance on special effects such as split screens dims and angels oh so you're also a fucking idiot right good <laughs> how did how did you get two members on the screen at once <laughs> name address hit withheld by request name <laughs> yes necessity. i like that um that person was who's a funny person to say no, the only funny person to say I don't want to say. <laughs> I know, I know. Jimmy Nail. Jimmy Nail. And that person was Doug Naylor. <laughs> how do they do those special effects? I think it would be really funny if it was Juliet May because she doesn't know how to do the split screens. The <laughs> <laughs> how do you do the special effects in Red Dwarf? Number five. What's a POV? <laughs> <laughs> That felt harsh. That's fine. She's doing all right. The response is quite interesting. Like it's quite defensive, but it also makes very good points. It's like Doctor Who magazine's great, but we are not Doctor Who magazine. Yeah, like we're trying to create our own thing. Being someone else isn't how this works. I think it's quite nice and quite honest. Of like we're trying to we're developing it issue by issue. Like it's sort of admitting that they're still finding their feet and and tweaking the format as they go, which is clear to see that you know every every issue is a little improvement on the last it's getting yeah. better think about you know, why does the cat like to read anything by t.s Eliot? Like, <laughs> his fucking... sex or cat symbolisms this isn't obvious yeah but it is the cats thing that's basically it <clears throat> it's, it's i have cats. a question yes what the fuck is that on the first page of holograms in the middle column ah uh, yeah like a splash of blood <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, is it like... It's meant to be like a meteor thing. I'm wondering if it's a printing error and it's supposed to be like a Red Dwarf logo. Because you can see a red ellipse. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's... Uh, well, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what it is. If it's if it's supposed to be anything. If anyone knows what that's supposed to be, do let us know. Please write in. Speaking of which, people have written in with their letters from previous episodes of his... Yeah. There is lots of lovely comments to be found over at GNT. Uh, we'll read a few of them out now. Dave provides a perfect summary of issue four. I really enjoyed the original comic strip this time around, and it has me looking forward to more of them in the future. Mm-hmm. The future Echo strip is nicely done, and Danny's interview is maybe their best yet in terms of providing some in- original and in- interesting insights. Thank you very much. The cover is obviously objectively awful, though. Nope. And I could have done without the continuing creepy sex pest vibe of some of the stuff in the personality quiz and letters page. Yep. International Debris provides a full review of the magazine, which is too lengthy to repeat here, but 
uh, we'll pick out a few of their points on the subject of the future Echo strip. The imaginary Doctor's surgery bit is fucking brilliant and justifies the existence of this comic alone. Uh, I love that in Rimmer's mind, the nurse is obviously wearing a sexy nurse outfit. Interesting choice to have a clearly five-era strip along a one-era one in the same issue. I doubt there were many followers of the magazine who hadn't seen the current incarnation of the show, so I suppose it's not too confusing, but I wasn't expecting it. It also means that more than half of the issue was comic strip. I suppose it means that there were fewer cringy articles. It was true. I mean, it was it was a good issue in a way. Um, but I wouldn't want it to be more than half a comic strip every time, I think. I, I, th- I think it mix it up a bit, like they, ha- like they clearly are. Yeah. yeah. Sai has also dropped us a lengthy one, and we do recommend reading through the comments over at Ganymede.tv if you haven't already. A few of the highlights from Sai's comment. I know that I filled that survey in. I remember looking years later at the page schooled with purple felt tip, wondering what the fuck 13-year-old me thought he was doing. (laughs) And he describes Are You a Red Dwarf fan as this was an odd thing for a 13-year-old to see. (laughs) It's still an odd thing for a 43-year-old to see. That is very true. Maybe that was a very formative moment like <laughs> yeah. for many, many young fans. <laughs> Dog gives us some small points. Carl Flint's random cover feels more like Hitchhiker's Guide or maybe a foreign language Red Dwarf novel. Yeah, like a, maybe not Czech covers, maybe something like Albania or Estonian. like Estonian ones. Yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. Classic book covers of Estonia. Yeah. <laughs> Warbadog also says, Growing up insecure, I definitely considered Red Dwarf more socially acceptable than other sci-fi I loved because it had mild swearing and a laugh track. That security was threatened when a poster showed up in the background of a Doctor Who night skit featuring the same sort of 90s fan caricatures, right down to being pervy sex pests. I was gutted. Yeah, this is in relation to that, yeah. Are you a Red Dwarf fan, right? Yeah, there's a few, there's another comment or two on that coming up self-hating um, nerds love. man like that's that's what it all comes down to <laughs> like even even nerds were attacking themselves in the 90s finally from Warbadog, in that binary letter 11001001 is a star trek tng episode title oh completely went over our heads <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> so there is a thing like what is the meaning of uh 11111 it was in the previous uh letters page and we didn't have a clue what was going on. It's pretty as a Star Trek reference apparently. Yeah. Dirty dirty Trekkies. <laughs> Flappo Jacko says overall the comics continue to be the highlight, so the fact that we're now getting more of them and they include original stories is great, even if mutinous pursuits is only so so. Honestly I'd take a magazine that was just a hundred percent comics if you could imagine such a thing. The Danny John Jules interview is really good too and I agree that it's one of the best yet. Everything else in the magazine I'd happily get rid of because of how mean spirited and offensive so much of it is. Yep. Unfortunately, I agree. Much of the rest of the comments are about that sort of tonal issue that was there in the previous uh, edition. Less so in this one, Mm. but it it did dominate the last one. Uh, Loathsome American says, I didn't have access to this magazine when I was younger, but I recognise the same sort of tone in the editorial voice you're struggling with in these dwarf casts from my own upbringing reading the American comics magazine Wizard. That same sort of mindset where a nerd calls another nerd a nerd to make themselves feel like less of a nerd, whatever keeps you from being the absolute bottom of the pecking order. There's a way to do this kind of thing where it feels inclusive. We're all nerds here, let's affectionately poke fun at our niche interests. Like we do with Garbage Pod. Yeah. (laughs) Cast. Yeah, Garbage Pod was us. (laughs) And a way to do this kind of thing where it feels exclusive. At least we're not as sad as these other fans, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's that gets down to the nub of the matter, really. Yeah. yeah. Whereas an alternative viewpoint is provided by stealing. 
Night. In terms of the tone of this magazine, I look at it slightly differently. The first six series of Dwarf feature the crew members insulting each other fairly relentlessly and the characters exhibiting some dubious attitudes towards the opposite sex. I can understand Howith and Lyons trying to adopt some of that tone with their writing and I presume that when they insult the reader, that's what they're going for. It's a tricky thing to pull off, though, and they clearly miss the mark in one or two places. Yeah. When a fictional character is insulting another fictional character, that's not the same as a, a real person insulting a real no, person. No, yeah, but you can see that that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, I like, can get it. I get tone. it. Yeah. A sort of like insult humour thing, but it's just like you can control how the other person's going to react. Whether it's a bit like, um, I forgot the character's name, in I'm Alan Partridge when he's meeting with Tony Hares and another guy comes along saying, oh, come on, give him a second series, you swine. And then Alan Partridge says, yeah, give me a second series, you shit. Like, Alan Partridge is this magazine. The other guy is Red yeah. Dwarf. <laughs> Trying to join in with the <laughs> yes. friendly, affectionate banter and misjudging the tone. Slightly. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, from our now empty sack of letters, from Clem. This is a weird, very obscure thing to ask about. I'm already intrigued. But Danny... When you were talking about how red this issue is, was They Like Red a reference to an old advert for sun-made raisins where they ask a little lad what colour he thinks the box should be? What? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got our answer, Clem. I can categorically say, no, that is not a reference to Sunmade Raisins. Do you know what? You, can, you can't blame him for thinking, oh, I wonder if that... I mean, I mean off, it's off... the first time I've been called out on a reference I didn't mean to make. Yeah, off the, the I wonder yeah. if that off-the-cuff <laughs> thing that they said might be some sort of fucking ex- obscure reference. Because everything affair, that comes but... out of my fucking head is some <laughs> reference to something else. Not a single original thought ever comes out of my head, basically. What what was it a reference to then? Or was this original? It wasn't thought? a reference to anything. I don't think. Oh. I, I don't even. I don't know what the fuck he's on about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an observation. They like red, you know. Well, there's only half a page left of this issue, but still two features to pack in. <laughs> there's a quarter page next issue preview, uh, which is on the wonk. <laughs> so therefore, just... why? Like that could easily fit in portrait. Yeah, this page in general confuses the shit out of me. See, for me, I can just do this and turn my page around and it's fine. But they, well, they didn't think about the PDFs when they were designing um, Just this. to show how much of uh, Star Trek fans, Howarth and Lions, are as well, um, they're ripping off the Trouble with Tribbles next issue, based on what I can see of the cover. <laughs> as I, um, <laughs> Yeah, the geep. Grant Naylor! Fucking interview with Grant Naylor. Oh. Yeah, that's going to be uh, the big highlight, I think, of the next one. I've not, I've not reread oh, the next one, but I, I, I imagine that Grant Naylor will be a bigger feature, more <laughs> interesting feature than Lister's cookery idea. <laughs> well, let's see, shall we? You never know. The name game. Why not play it at home? I don't know. We don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So maybe we will. So yes, that's what we'll be covering in the next issue, uh, but there's just time for an advert, and it's an actual, real-life advert for a company that is not Fleetway <laughs> Editions. No. It is their first advert that they've had in the magazine that's not just themselves, and it's for Muscle Dynamics. I had to read this about four times, <laughs> because I was just, because of literally the phrase... Please rush me, me my, my free. free information pack. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and immediately my brain went, is this meant to be a joke? A Red Dwarf joke about like a really ridiculous thing that Lister would send off for. 
and it's the thing, and it's like, nope, it's a genuine actual advert, it seems. And I was like, I am really confused as to if why it hadn't got a, a, an address in there, or like the address was on, you know, out of space, out of space somewhere. But it's in Gateshead. It's like it's it's got full <laughs> postcode and everything. Yeah. Like also, the whole point of a PO box is that it's uh, anonymous and untraceable. So PO Box 40, Gateshead NEA. Gateshead and then the full postcode, which which will literally get you within a square mile of... So it's an advert for some sort of muscle, like, it's, I don't know whether it's, is it, is it'll, it actually, it'll be, is, um, it a, is it a pill? Protein shakes, it, It's a program, okay, it's a program. It, I've just Googled, and it's a, it's still a thing, muscle dynamics. It's a scientifically proven system for building muscles and strength fast. You can buy a book on Amazon, although it's currently out of stock. Uh, a book from around the same time with a copyright 1994 with a P.O. box in St. Helier, uh, which is not Gates. No, it's not. They've had it's to move. St. Helier. They got raided. But yeah, I, th- I think it's basically one of those scam type. Yeah. Um, absolutely 100% feels so like that. We could probably assume like that they're struggling a little bit with the advert space. Both, yeah, both Smegazine is struggling to sell adverts and Muscle Dynamics is struggling to find <laughs> good placements for their adverts. Mm. <laughs> like the, the Red Dwarf audience is perhaps not the one that they're hoping to attract. No. <laughs> their Maybe dynamics. the Judge Shred audience. You'd see these adverts in the back of like GQ or FHM or whatever and that seems like a more fitting yeah. audience for it. Yeah, maybe yeah. they were a bit earlier because cause, like you wouldn't you didn't really have the lad mags at this point. A few years yeah. ago. I suppose genuinely the only place I'd expect to see this would be like a porn magazine. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally all I'd expect to yeah. see. And the thing is, what struck me as thinking that this was a, a joke rather than a thing is A, it has an illustration, not a photograph, right? So there's absolutely yeah. no way of proving that this is how this works. <laughs> it reminds me of the thing in the is it on the bottom where he's talking about um you can you can get your your sexual organ enhanced so that it is comparable in size to a full grown mountain gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you say comparable in size, do you mean an awful lot smaller than? <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone at the time, Sai, if you if you sent off for this at the time, please do let <laughs> us know. Let us know how that went. In purple felt tip. So maybe the line in, in Red Dwarf is is standard standard yeah. language yeah. on these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, I want to build muscles fast. Please rush me. I just like, yeah, you send for every bit of rubbish going, you do. Just you've got some mail to open. It's just... <laughs> it's that. Yeah. It's those adverts. That's exactly what... I, it's, so it's, it's so really weirdly placed. I've seen loads of parodies of this type of advert in like Viz, Viz. and stuff. Exactly, that's exactly yeah, what I'm thinking. Is Viz, it's yeah. it's rare to see the real thing. Like, like the parodies are now more famous and more prevalent than the actual Bob and Henge thing. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Link in the show notes for Bob and Henge. It's a fucking amazing thing to do. Right, and that's it. On the back cover, we have a lovely picture of Rimmer in his gingham dress and army boots. And He's and really lovely the picture actually. It's yeah. a good picture. It's very on the wonk for some reason, isn't it? Which was, I, I like the 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 steam. Not steam. It would burn his feet. The dry ice yeah. and stuff around him. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that's cool. Very very atmospheric. Yeah, it does look like the pictures kind of got a bit wonky when it went into the whatever the printing process is. Don't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Oh well, actually, it might be on the wonk because we're looking at a scan. Now that oh, I think yeah. about it. No, no, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, it's on the wonk. 
<laughs> it's on the Wonk in the real edition. Oh. Okay. There you go. Hey, do you know why it's on the Wonk, listeners? Write in and <laughs> because there are right no and, then, and then we will reveal the answers in issue nine. <laughs> yeah, we'll reveal the answers in twenty twenty five. In volume three, issue one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we do. We relaunch this magazine. But until then, that's about it for this edition of this magazine rack. Uh, don't forget to send us your letters about the issue that we've just read or the podcast that you've just listened to. Plus, send in your 50-word Inquisitor-style judgments on Wilma Flintstone, Norman Wisdom, Christine Kachansky, Judge Dredd, Vera Duckworth, or Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> it doesn't get any more normal. You can leave your comments over at www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay happy, stay cool. Stay in your bridge residence, Robert Platt, 1802 to 1882, and his wife, Margaret Platt, 1819 to 1888 were philanthropists and benefactors of the public baths in Staley Bridge, opened in May 1870. They are honoured with a blue plaque located at Woodlands, Mottram Road, Staley Bridge, SK15 2AN. And as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Hang on, let me Google. Do, <laughs> does ducks have tits? <laughs> does ducks? All right, no, we, we've we've got to the point where I need to have this conversation now. Okay, you right. googled something earlier. What was it? <laughs> in the in the in the pre-show, um, I I found a, a a video on Facebook of a cat that's got no eyes, and um, <laughs> it was really cute. But I was like, I I would be, I wouldn't, I would love to have this cat, but I wouldn't want to. Um, it made me sad every day to see, and I said to see a cat that's had its eyes amputated, <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed like the right thing to say at the time. But <laughs> Danny took me to task, so I was like, so I yeah, checked and like yeah, amputation is for limbs, and then, and then I, I googled his eyes limbs. <laughs> And they're not limbs. So. His eyes limbs. What is clocks? What is clocks? <laughs> what are birds? <laughs> we just don't know.